You're listening to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I'm your host, Dolores Alfieri Taranto. In this show, we explore Bella Figura, the art of beautifying all facets of your life, with a focus on heritage as a means to do so. In each episode, I talk to designers, writers, fashion bloggers, healers, and others from various ethnic backgrounds about what I call the holy, the elemental, and the majesty, their culture's spiritual style, its principal values, and their lineage and family stories, all in a straight talk manner with minimal woo-woo. Join me in spiritual conversations for the rest of us. Your heritage is your superpower. Learn how to wield it. Welcome back to another episode of Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. As I said in um, last week's episode, I have several great interviews that I did record over the summer and in the fall, and I wanted to get them out before the year ended, this difficult, strange, bizarre, surreal year that we have all endured together. (laughs) And um, not only do I want to get them out because they're terrific interviews with terrific human beings, and I really think you guys will get a lot out of each episode, but I thought it would be a great way to kind of wrap up this year and start 2021 with a clean slate and a new direction and uh, a new approach to this growing vision. So thanks for joining me. It's great to have you listening. This episode is uh, no exception to the terrific ones that I've been putting out here. And it's just the grace of my guests who are just such wonderful human beings and so creative and dynamic. And my guest today, Sandra Chuma, is uh, no exception. She is an entrepreneur, a speaker, a coach, a podcast host, and award-winning documentary filmmaker. She believes that our greatest responsibility is to share our stories so we can inspire and create possibility for others. Obviously, Sandra and I have that um, outlook in common. Raised in a tiny mud hut in Zimbabwe with no running water or electricity, Sandra has never been one to let circumstances define her. Through hard work and support from her village, quote unquote village, She became a management consultant advising major global companies. She then went on to build two successful companies. In 2015, however, she went back to school to get a master's degree in journalism, storytelling, and documentary filmmaking from Columbia University. Through the power of story and leveraging her experience as a management consultant, Sandra has made it her mission to help others create the best version of themselves. She is building brands focused on providing inspiration, tools, and community. I love when I can connect to someone from a vastly different cultural background than mine, just, you know, geological, excuse me, geographical background uh, than mine, yet we can completely relate on certain things, uh, deep things. It's usually, I find, the, the deeper the conversation goes, the deeper the thing we're actually talking about, the more commonality we find. It's another way of saying once you obviously crack through the surface and get down to what is really more human and more on a soul level, we find that we all have much more in common than we do not. And I love doing this show in part because I, I get to experience that and connect with all types of, of different people. 
from different walks of life. And uh, with Sandra, that was definitely uh, how our conversation went. You know, there's an understanding that crosses borders and continents that there can be gold in our shared understanding of our respective cultures and our heritage and the values that we were raised with. So before we jump into this episode, I do want to file this under the elemental. The elemental, of course, being our culture's principal values that resonate with us and that we then try to live by ourselves. You know, they give us guidance, they give us boundaries, and they return us to what we know is important when we wander off as we often will, especially in uh, the world we live in today, which is full of distractions, just chock full of them. So the elementals really help to root us. And I think Sandra, as you'll hear in this, really draws from her Zimbabwean values and brings them to the work that she's doing now and to her own experiences here in America. I also wanted just to remind you that if you haven't yet left a review on iTunes to please do so, the reviews are super, super helpful in helping me to get these guests and also in helping to get the show out there. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please also do that. You'll get automatic. The episodes will automatically appear and download if you're subscribed. And you can also find me on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. And I did just want to read a quick iTunes review here. I'm so grateful when you all leave them. This is from Andy Cofino. He writes, a necessary and beautiful resource. This podcast resonates deeply with me as an Italian American. It gives voice and name to the experience of having deep cultural, spiritual, and ancestral roots, which are often lost in the process of assimilation. Dolores gives space to explore these deep and significant parts of our histories and allows them to be rendered visible and therefore experienced in the present day. It's a beautiful ode to our ancestors and an opening for future generations to continue to seek solace and reverence in our faith. Thank you, Dolores, for your work on this podcast, which is an excellent resource for those of us who hold space for these deep parts of our being. Wow. Andy, wow. Beautiful, so deep, and just like hit me right in the heart. So thank you so much, not just for the beautiful words, but for taking the time to write them and to post them. I'm very grateful. Okay, so with all that said, let's jump into this episode with Sandra. Okay, Sandra, welcome to Bella Figura. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be having this conversation with you. Thank you for having me. Yes, my pleasure. We were just talking a little bit about how, you know, heritage is such an important thing for so many people, including you and I, and how these, these conversations are so necessary. And I, I'm really excited to, to jump in here and talk to you about your story and where you come from, because it's a very interesting one, for sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you that you find it interesting. You know, and it's your story. It's kind of like, well, it's like you don't see your story as interesting. But that's one of the, the things that I've certainly found is that, you know, so often we negate our stories because there are stories and we think, oh, no one would think that's interesting. And yet people have such interesting stories once you get talking to them. You're absolutely right. So let's begin with yours. Let's begin with you telling us a little bit about your upbringing and the people that you come from. Yes, so I am Zimbabwean. I'm of Zimbabwean descent. Although when I was born, the country wasn't Zimbabwe at that time, it was Rhodesia. 
And so I was born and raised in Zimbabwe, literally born, raised in a mud hut, no running water, no electricity. Um, so I've definitely come a long way from, yeah, from those that's for days. Sure. But my heritage is, is something I'm so incredibly proud of because as I say, you know, growing up and coming from such humble beginnings, mm. it's never been lost on me that I'm incredibly privileged to be and to have the opportunities that I have now. Cause there's so many people who are from where I'm from who don't have those same opportunities. So yeah, for me, I'm proudly Zimbabwean and yes. Excited. Yeah. So that really is, yeah, you, to say you have come a long way is definitely an understatement and a little funny that you say, you know, my story is not interesting because of course that is, but how much of that upbringing do you still bring with you in your work? I mean, actually let's step back a second. When did you leave Zimbabwe? And then we'll get to that question. So, yeah, so I grew up in Zimbabwe, as I said, and for me, who I am and is really a testament to the fact that it takes a village. Mm. And so I was raised by my, my parents, my mom and dad, who worked incredibly hard to give me opportunities that they never had. So just to, you know, give you an example, my mom didn't get her high school diploma until I was getting her my high school diploma. So when right. I was 15, 16 was when she was going through high school as well and learning. So for them to be able to have been making the kinds of sacrifices that were needed for me to go to school and, and, you know, they were literally paying like pretty much all of my dad's salary at one point every three months went to putting me and my brother, I have one brother through school and also kind of to go even further back. My grandparents, my grandmothers in particular had a huge influence on who I am and, and my beliefs growing up because neither of them ever went to school. Neither of them ever had the chance at an education. And yet from very young, they always instilled in me this belief that I would have an education and, and they would talk about, you know, one day you'll go overseas and, and one day, you know, you'll, you'll live in a nice house on a tree lined street because for them, that was an impossible dream because at the time that I was growing up, our country was segregated. So there were blacks only neighborhoods, whites only neighborhoods. And of course, the blacks only neighborhoods were incredibly crowded, incredibly small houses. And so it was just a dream. And my, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother worked as a housemaid for a white family. So for her, that was the aspiration that, wow, one day my grandchild might be able to, to live in a house like this. So it was all of those things. So, you know, when you ask me about, do I carry it with me? It's hard for me not to carry because I know where I came from. And it's something that, and, and, and also just to, to be Frank is something that I still live with today. I still have cousins who live in mud huts with mm. no running water, no electricity. So it's something that is never far away from, from who I am. Wow. What an amazing story. Now, are your parents, are they still in Zimbabwe? Are they here so in yes. America? Yes. So unfortunately, my father passed away um, right. last year. But my mom is still in, in Zimbabwe. And actually, she, um, one of my greatest joys, if you had to ask me what is one of the things that I'm most proud of, 
is the fact that a few years ago, my husband and I were in a position to buy her a house, a house that has a big yard and swimming. You're going to make me cry. I mean, we've, we've been talking, for, <laughs> we've been talking for five minutes and I just want you to know that like, I'm, I'm trying to not do the tearing up thing because these kinds of stories, they go right to my heart. And I, I my listeners know they're probably laughing right now. I'm like, I can't, I can't start crying only like three minutes into the talk. <laughs> that's wonderful. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's a no. Oh. No, that's absolutely fine. So really, like of everything that yeah. I've ever achieved in my life, I think that probably is my proudest one because it was something that for her was just so far out of reach, so unattainable. And so to be able to do that, to gift that to her, um, is definitely one of my proudest achievements. So yes, my parents have always lived in, in Zimbabwe. I have one sibling and both of us left Zimbabwe. I left okay. um, Zimbabwe to go to university when I was 17, almost 18. But yes, my parents still live there. Now, the way your parents raised you, is that in, in the sense of, they seem to, from the little you've already told me and what I've read about you, they seem to have said to you, our circumstances may be what they are, but we do not believe they will limit you. You, you can have this dream. You can have more. You are not limited. Even, even during a time of segregation, you're not limited. Now, was that common in Zimbabwe at that time or were your parents somewhat exceptional in that I, you know what? I think that we grew up in a time where, well, I grew up in a time where people had hopes, people had aspirations, but I think the belief they instilled in me was bigger than, I think even they knew what they, I think they were saying the words. I don't know. It'd be great for me to go and ask my mom whether they believed it in terms of could I really ever right. achieve all of these things but it was always spoken into me as if it was an assumed that oh one day it was never oh you know maybe one day even for my grandmothers you know as I said for them it was even a further away right thing. of course mm -hmm. it was so far from their reality that and yet they always spoke to me as if it was an assumed, like, oh, one day you're going to go to university. Oh, one day you're going to go abroad. One day. It was never maybe or you'll try. It was, so I grew up with like, it was almost like, oh yeah, I'm going to, and I didn't understand right. it as a kid growing up. My grandmother would say, you'll go overseas. Mm. So in my mind growing up, I thought that overseas was like a, was like a country. Like that was the name. Right. Was overseas. I get that. I get that. Yes, yes. Like there's this place overseas, the nation of, and I'm going to go there. That's great. Now, you know, I we talk a lot on the show uh, about homelands, right? And the values of, of our, our homelands, the traditions, the roots. For many of us here in America, the our origins really come from, you know, having to be either forcibly pushed out of our homelands or like in your case, so maybe you weren't run out of your homeland by war, but the, the, the circumstances, the opportunities for you were so limited that you almost had no choice. So we talk about that a lot and there's such a hole a lot of times in people's hearts and a, a gap in their understanding of themselves and the world. So just wondering, you left so young 
from Zimbabwe, but do you have any comments or just a feeling of like this having to leave? I mean, I know your family always talked about it as it's going to be a great thing, right? When you leave one day, but what about leaving your home? Gosh, it's, it's one of the most challenging things. Because like you said, there's this pull. There's this pull that says, you know, I'm going to this place where there are more opportunities than I can ever realize where I am. But then the other pull, which is, this is my home. This right. is my people. And how do I, I have to go to this place where forever I'm, I'm a foreigner. You know, like when I, when people see me, meet me anywhere, the questions are always, where are you from? So no matter how long I've been in Canada or in America, when I lived in America, you're always othered, right? You, people always know you're from someplace else. Mm -hmm. And here's the interesting thing that has happened for me is that now I'm othered when I go back home to Zimbabwe ah. because I've been away for so long. Mm. I no longer necessarily speak the language with the, the same accent or know, you know, like the, the cultural references. And so even though I go to Zimbabwe and I look like everybody who's there and I speak and I understand, I, people always say to me, oh, but, but, wait, so where do you live? Like, it's, it's almost like, oh, I know you're a Zimbabwean of origin, but wait, which country do you live in now? And so now I feel like I'm in this no man's land where I don't quite belong anywhere anymore. And for me, I'm fortunate. I'm incredibly blessed that throughout my time living wherever I've lived abroad, I lived in the UK, I've lived in Canada, I've lived in the United States, is I've always had opportunity to go back home to Zimbabwe on a frequent basis. Mm. So I'm still somewhat in touch with Zimbabwe, Zimbabwean culture, I have family there. And it's it's one of the things that I see for those who either left even younger than than I did, because I still have those memories of growing up. But I see, for example, with my nieces and nephews who are growing up, when they were born outside of Zimbabwe, they also are in this space where they're still recognized as being a foreigner wherever they live. And yet they don't have that same attachment to the home country. Right. So it's a really interesting space to be. So my parents came to America from Southern Italy after they got married. So I, me and my siblings are the first generation born here. And my mother says that that happened to her very quickly that she came here. And I think the first time she went back to Southern Italy, it was probably maybe three or four years later. And, you know, we're not even talking like a decade. And already when she went back, she was to, to the people she'd grown up around. She was American and that's how they treated her. And that's how they saw her. And, you know, even, even down to the fact that the customs back then in Southern Italy were very, very old fashioned. And so even down to the fact that she says women would not want, not all women, but some of the women wouldn't want her coming over because she had this kind of right? This kind of touch of American glamour and they didn't want her around their husbands. 
Isn't that so interesting? And I think that's the same thing that's happening for us. I think we're just a little bit delayed. I see that certainly, you know, because a lot of with with our country, Zimbabwe, you know, we kind of went through the segregation, which is the t- like when I was very young growing up, and then we got independence, and then we kind of went into economic challenges where the economy kind of went into tailspin, and so a lot of people, like you said, although they weren't forced out by war. They were forced out by virtue of the economy and trying to make right. a livelihood for themselves and their families. And so there are lo- there's a lot of population that left the country. And you're right, when they go back, back, go back, you are, it's like you have this, like you say, like a glamour, a glamour or something, yeah. From overseas, yeah. right? <laughs> from America or Canada or wherever, and you come with with the trappings of coming from abroad. And so now it's almost like there's a, sometimes it's almost like a feeling of resentment that mm. you're the ones that left. Yes. You know, and, and I know certainly this is something that, you know, I've, I've seen expressed uh, certainly on social media. I haven't expressed I experienced it personally, but there are those who remained like in my home country who hold some sort of, I don't know if resentment's the right word for those who left because it's like, well, we stayed and we've had to struggle and you, you just left and then you just want to come on holiday and, you know, experience the nice parts of the country, but we're the ones who are here yeah. struggling day to day. So yeah, yeah, there's this tension, this push pull for sure. There, there's a lot of like so, social politics in immigration and emigration within communities that I don't think we talk about a lot. You know, and you were just talking and you reminded me of a story. I, I was probably about 10 years ago and I was visiting Italy, which, which we do often. And um, one of my cousins, who's about my age, she was saying, she was talking about how terrible the, the economy was. And especially in Southern Italy, it's very difficult for my cousins to find work. It's very hard for them to support themselves. It's, it's almost in some ways like nothing's changed since my, my parents left and generations before them left and I said to her at some point well why don't you why don't you leave you know I mean you can come to New York you know our doors always open where you have more than than our parents you know my parents had they had they had nothing they had nobody they they didn't even speak English they couldn't write and she got very like upset and she said why do I have to leave my home oh yeah and I thought she shut me up I thought you're right. That do, is profound. Why do you have to leave your home? You know, and mm. in the end, you have to make a decision, which is, well, do you want to have this life like that your parents always wanted for you? Or do you want to not leave your home? And it is unfair, but it's something to think about. You know, why do I have to leave my home? And I think there That's is that. That's so true. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so true that why do you, have, like, why, why do we feel like we have to leave for us to have the opportunities? Like, certainly, exactly. like, in my case and in the case of Zimbabwe, it's a country that had so much hope, so much potential. And so it, it, it does feel like, why, why would I need to leave everything I know? Why would I need to be a foreigner in somebody else's land? And I think there's also that feeling of, you know, why am I helping to build somebody else's economy and mm. some, you know, giving my brain power to, to, to develop somebody else's land when I could be doing that for myself at home. But then the reality is that it's just challenging, right? right. Just basic things. I think, you know, we're in a time of 
global pandemic, basic things, I think, that we would take for granted that, you know, there would be those economic structures in place, that there would be those social structures mm. in place to catch you. Right don't exist. So yeah, it's definitely, like you said, it's, it's such a deep, profound subject. And, and I, I, I read a quote recently that said, if you have a foreign accent, that's a sign of bravery Ooh. because wherever you go you, and you have a foreign accent, that means you didn't start there. You had to pack that's up. Right. To leave. So it's never an easy decision. Cause I think sometimes people view like, Oh, you left and you went to better. No, it has its own challenges. Like oh, yes. there are always challenges. Yeah. So personally, I mean, I just, I'm such a homebody. I, I, if I just even try to put myself in your shoes or my parents' shoes, you know, leaving your whole family, leaving everything, you know, starting in a new place, new, it, it's very frightening it, and it, it is very brave. I really love that quote. I have never heard that, but I haven't grown up with people who have accents. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. So, you know, another thing we talk, I, I talk about a lot on the show is, is our, what I call the elementals. So they're the values of either, you know, our, our ancestral culture, our ancestors culture and how we can implement them. The ones that resonate with us in our lives to strengthen us and to empower us. So I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about some values that were kind of inherent in your upbringing. I mean, you, you've touched on it a little bit, but is there, is there kind of anything innate to like Zimbabwe culture in that sense? There absolutely is the, the thing that immediately came to mind when you asked that question is we have a word and it's actually a word that is common in, in Southern Africa. So, you know, kind of South Africa, Zimbabwe, Zambia, all of that region. And it's a word that's called, that's, that is Ubuntu. And different dialects will say differently. And what that means, I guess if you were to translate it literally, it's almost like I am because you are. And what it speaks to is that, is the color that we are a collective, that when I hurt, you hurt. Uh. When I'm happy, I, you're happy. And so it's this belief that we take care of each other. Mm. And it's something that growing up was such a huge part of of my growing up. It's something that whether it was through my grandmothers, my grandparents, or whether it be, you know, with my parents as I was growing up, was always this emphasis on on taking care of others and helping others that it wasn't okay for you to just look out for yourself. Mm. You always looked out for others. And actually my father growing up would always say to me, Sandra, to she who much is given, much is required. And he'd always remind me of that. And and he said to me, he said, you know, your success will only ever be success when you're helping others. And so that, if I had to say the one thing that I absolutely like, just if, when I think of what's the one fundamental I was right. raised with, it is that, that we it are is, It's amazing. Yeah, that's a very, uh, like a tribal way of approaching life. And I feel like in the way I was raised was very similar. It's a, as, as opposed, I say tribal as opposed to the, very kind of individual, autonomous, you know, self-made man perspective that I think is very um, strong in America. Where you, yeah, for sure, right? For where us, you, it's it, mm -hmm. yeah, ahead. yeah, where you really look out for, you know, you, you of course you care about your family, but really you're caring about yourself and your immediate family, your children, your wife, 
And if you have to move, you move. If you have to, you know, if you have to put them first, you put them first. But the way we grew up, it was like, you know, the grandparents, the cousins, the aunts, the uncle, and really like you sank or swam together. It was, that's a very tribal outlook, way of approaching life. That's so true. And for us, here's a funny thing. In my language, there is no word for a cousin. Mm. That word doesn't exist. Everybody is your brother and your sister. And even if this is so fascinating, like when, or even with your aunts and uncles, like I, there, there really isn't a, a word that's specific to an aunt or an uncle. And how you differentiate is you have based on, on, you know, are they older or younger than your parent is how you, so you would say, like, for example, in my case, my guru, which is big mother or the older mother. And, you know, like the, the younger mother because there is no and everybody is literally your parent even down to the fact that when it comes to discipline like everybody's your parent it really took a village like you said yeah like the saying goes and and so that's how it 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 was in our in our culture was you were one you're you you literally were one and if one was not okay the collective was not okay. I love that. I love that elemental. And I, I think your work, which we're going to, we can actually, it's a perfect segue, which we can dive into now, shows me that you've taken that elemental with you and that it stays with you, as you've said, because you are definitely someone who is building, has built a tribe, and you're very focused on inspiring and lifting up others that you you're definitely not I would not describe you from what I've seen as somebody who's just thinking about herself so it's carried with you and just to the to the people listening right now this is a perfect example of of what I'm always talking about in this respect which is Sandra's left her her native land and she's definitely American I mean you can see in a lot of ways how much you've you've adapted to this culture and you know your entrepreneurial spirit and all of that but you're bringing that the values of your heritage with you and they're you're mixing them in with your work and it's just giving your work this beautiful strength this beautiful uniqueness right and authenticity and um i could do a whole show which i probably should at some point just about how <laughs> how important i think this this tribal and communal living is and how so much of the sickness that we have in american society is because we are we are lacking we are lacking that which maybe we can get to later on but i want i do want to dive into your work and tell us a little bit about nindini nindini great job <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> you got it nailed it i asked sandra to practice with me before we went live <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about what it is and what you do and how it came about and what what the word itself means actually well, let's start with the word. So Ndini is from my mother tongue and I speak Shona. We have a few languages in Zimbabwe, but I speak Shona and it means I am. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to name a platform or what I wanted it to be about, I wanted it to be about us recognizing our own power. And so I believe in the power of words to shape your destiny. And so I was like, gosh, if I I am. And then whatever you say after that is, is what mm. you become. You create with your words. And so that's why, why I named it that. Dini means I am. And it's actually a 
a long story. It never was the thing that I, I didn't grow up and think, oh, I one day want to create a platform. Well, this, it really was so far away from, because if you, you know, you kind of go back to where I came from, the aspiration was just to get an education, get a good job, have a nice house, drive right. a nice car. Right. And so that, like when I moved to North America, when actually I moved to England initially, that was the aspiration. That's what I was focused on was I kind of went, if you want to think, think about it in this way, I kind of almost regressed to me, me, me. Right? I was mm. like, okay, how do I make myself okay? And how do I achieve? And how do I? And I think one of the other things too, that in the choices that I made from a career perspective is something that I've heard Trevor Noah, the comedian Trevor Noah refers to as the black tax. And so I think it's something that every generation, I'm sure your parents would, would probably identify with this, is that when you're the one who leaves and you go to this land of opportunity, and then when you start to create a life for yourself, there's A, the guilt of, I really need to help everybody who's back home. And then B, there's just the demand from back home that is, hey, I need school fees. I need this. I need that. And so when I was creating my life, it really was focused on, okay, how can I maximize on career opportunities and make the most money because I have all these obligations that I need to meet. Mm. And in that, I kind of lost myself. Mm. I lost myself in that it was all about the money and the making money and the, the lifestyle and the, 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 the all of those things because I thought that was the definition of success. I thought that, oh, wow, I've achieved because now I have a nice house and I live in, and I drive a nice car and I can actually go on a vacation vacation versus just going home as the vacation. And so that was my life for a bit. And I eventually ended up creating my own company with my husband and we did well. Financially, we did well. But here was the thing that almost was gnawing at me in the background always was I wasn't happy. I didn't feel like this was my purpose. This was, I mean, at times it was my passion because I, I loved what I did, but it wasn't my purpose. And that was always at the back of my mind. And it actually took an unfortunate set of circumstances to really open me up to, okay, having the the conversation with myself about what is my purpose. And what that was, was we created this company. And then in the 2008 or so, there was an economic crash. And a lot of our, our business was built on the oil industry. We had a lot of oil and gas companies. And so when that crash happened, a lot of those oil companies suddenly canceled projects. Mm. Suddenly they were in trouble. And so this company that we built that at that point, for me, somewhat was the measure of my quote unquote success started to not do well. And it was in the depths of at that point, what I thought was like my, my tragedy, the worst thing that had ever happened to me, that I asked myself the question, why was I here? What was my purpose? And so long story short, it ended up me really thinking about the fact that back to what I'd been told and taught as a little girl, that if everybody else is not okay, then you are not okay. And so what can you do to, you know, as they say, as the water rises, it, it raises all the ships with it. What could I do in my capacity with the skills that I had that would help 
other people, those that I had left behind. And so I ended up creating a platform, which is called Ndini, which our focus is really on uplifting, inspiring, and helping women to transform their lives. And, and our focus as well is on women of color and also specifically seeing as I'm from Zimbabwe, women from the African continent. Right. And is it specifically women from the African content, continent or just women of color in general? Doesn't you matter know, your continent. Here was, <laughs> here, was the, here was the interesting thing. He said, actually, what was that? I'm getting these for African women because right. I was inspired by a quote, a woman I so greatly admire. Her name is Lema Bowen from Liberia. She's a peace activist from Liberia. And she had this quote that said, uh, I'm paraphrasing it, but she's story because it is an African woman's story. And so really are our stories told. And so for me, it was like, I want to create a platform where I give voice to African women. And so that was the premise of me creating the platform. We all have the same hopes. We all have the same dreams, all have the the same aspirations, regardless of where we're from. So mm. we're opening up and, and really, I, for me now, I, I feel like it's a platform about inspiring women to step into their power, to step into fully who they were meant to be and all that they were meant to be. So it's evolved over time. As projects usually do. It has evolved over time. Yeah. Right. Which is it's the way it works. So to get from what you had described as what you at the time thought was the worst thing that had ever happened to you, you know, this business falling apart, et cetera, to this platform you have now, was that an easy process? Was did it happen overnight, as people tend to think, or you know, talk a little bit about the struggles in between those two points? <laughs> Yeah, I, I just woke up. I was like, oh, let's create a platform and it just created itself. <laughs> I no, know all about it. Yeah. Like anybody, <laughs> yeah. anybody who creates, this is one of the things that I, I, I have such a huge respect for people like you who create, who continue to create. It is a hard thing. It is an yes. incredibly challenging thing. And it's also the reason why so many people give up because it's not easy. It never is. And so it wasn't a linear straight path. I didn't know what it would look like. What I thought I was creating isn't where I've ended up, but I just kept going. I knew that I needed, if nothing else, just for myself. And it, it's almost become a platform that really, I hate to say it's almost self-serving because it feeds me so much, feeds my soul so much. I totally much. get that. Mm -hmm. It really has been a journey. And even the fact that I had to, I went back to school because I was like, I don't know how to do anything. And then I thought I wanted to be a journalist. So I went back to school and went to journalism school. So it's just been one step after the other, kind of like I said to you a little bit earlier about how it has evolved. Everything's just been an evolution. I've taken one step and then the next door has opened or the next opportunity has presented itself. And then the next step and the next step. And I think that's one of the things that especially in this culture that we live in of social media, where, you know, we see people's highlight reels mm. on their Instagram. We think, oh, they just woke up and created a platform. Oh, they just, yeah. you know, a friend of mine just celebrated a thousand episodes. I'm like, oh gosh, you know, 
No, it's, it's about just taking one step and one step and one step. And sometimes it's about taking a step when you don't really even know which direction you're going. And sometimes the action creates the clarity as you go. That's so well said. That's so well said. And actually, case in point, we skipped over the whole part where in between there you went to Columbia University to, to study filmmaking, correct? Or journalism? I did. I, mm-hmm. I went to the journalism school and did the journalism program, their master's in, in journalism. And then also did they have a, a concentration in that program where you focus on documentary filmmaking. Oh. And so for a time, that was what I thought. And I actually produced, you know, a couple of documentaries that played at festivals and won awards. And I thought, oh, that was how I was supposed to tell stories was through documentaries. And so, yes, it really has been an evolution. <laughs> Well, you know what's interesting is watching your watching some videos on your on your platform. They're they're very well done and the thing that comes to mind to me is you may not have ended up being a full-time documentary filmmaker or a full-time journalist, but I bet you use a lot of what you learned at Columbia in your work now. You know, is that was it Steve Jobs who said you can only join the dots looking back? Like, yes. I, There's so many (laughs) things that even if I look at, you know, my professional career, like when I was a management consultant and the things I learned there and the the things that like I I was actually um, this weekend having a a conversation with a friend because he was telling me about a job he'd had in high school. And uh, I had commented about the fact that my first job, like how I put myself through college was I worked at Burger King (laughs) and uh, we were commiserating with each other but I even think to the things I learned at Burger King and Mm. how their life lessons I I learned and skills I learned about teamwork about showing up about all kinds of things so everything you know I think sometimes people feel like Oh, I, I, I studied this thing and then I'm not using it or it might be a waste of time if I, no, every single piece of you, like you is useful. You may not realize it, but yeah, long story short, I definitely use a lot of what I learned at Columbia, but also from all aspects of my life. Yeah. It's, it's almost like you put one foot in front of the other and you just kind of have this trust that you're you're being led to where you need to go and you just kind of I feel like you just pick up things and put them in your backpack as, as you go you know and, and then you're getting to a certain place I mean I'm, I'm guilty of it myself and on bad days I think oh I wasted my time doing this for so many years why so you know I wasted my time going in this direction but really you know when on your better days when you're kind of at peace with knowing that there's a flow to life and that and that God is taking care of you you know, no, every little bit of that I needed, every little bit of it to, to get where I am now, 100%. I think yeah. that's definitely been one of the biggest lessons that I've had to learn is not to focus on the destination, on the end, on the result, right. but to really like enjoy, the, which is sometimes hard when, you, when you're in it, it's hard to enjoy yes. the journey. But really the fact that it's about the journey, it's about 
I think for me, it's the realization that it's not even about the thing that I'm doing. It's about who I become in the process of mm-hmm. doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's been definitely one of my biggest learnings and something I constantly have to remind myself. Absolutely. Especially on hard days. Yes. <laughs> I know it well. You know, you mentioned a, a little while back, you mentioned, um, that it was your, when you started the business, no, no, when you first came here, when you first came here and the first jobs you had and the business you started with your husband, that it, you, you had passion, but it wasn't your purpose. Mm. And you were, you kind of made a very clear distinction. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Like, what is that difference actually between, or passionate about, but what our purpose is? Mm. I, I think- like that. I, I think that, and, and hey, everybody has their definition, but this is how I've defined it for myself, is purpose is the reason that I'm here. What mm. is the, the, why am I here? Why do I exist on this planet? Passion is how I'm going to deliver, for lack of a better way to put it, on that purpose. And it might change throughout my your life. You know, I you might, you know, when you're in, in a phase of, for example, having young kids as you do, your passion at that time in life is your kids and raising your kids and your purpose might be, I don't know, teaching or, 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 you know, whatever that thing is. And your passion can change. And here's the other thing too, is you can have many passions. Like, I don't think passion is like, this is my one passion. You can have many passions at the same time. And each one of them can come to bear. Each one of them can be a vehicle for you achieving your purpose. Mm, I really like that. I mean, I have not heard anybody kind of make such a a differentiation between the two, but I think it's very powerful and a really like good uh, thing to remember when we're working and we're working towards what we want and what we want to be doing. I love that. So one thing I, 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 I mean, ahead, well, so if I can no, as well, just say ahead. this, I think also like there's been this sexification of find your why and find Mm. your passion purpose and find your passion and there's such pressure on people to figure out why am I here and what's my and sometimes you only figure it out by trying different things by having many so true oh I really love baking Okay, but is that what I want? Is that what I'm here? And maybe baking is your purpose is to bring joy to people through your baking. But you might, you, there are many things. And I think that there's such, gosh, there's undue pressure on people to have an answer. It's like, you know, I, I feel like, like, I, one of the questions that makes me cringe is when <laughs> I, I have people who ask, I see people asking like my nephew who's like nine or 10, what do you want to be when you grow up? He's nine. Right. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Yeah. And he's got a lot of stumbling to do before he maybe figures it out. Absolutely. Maybe. You know, I, right. He'll, he'll, he'll at 18 think he wants to be a firefighter and sure. go do firefighter training. And maybe he'll work as a firefighter for five years and realize, no, he really does want to be a firefighter. And that's okay. The one thing, though, that I don't condone is people being flakes. Like, mm. just, you know, flitting from this to this, this, cause I this got hard and I don't feel like it anymore. No, no, no. I don't, I don't believe that, but I do believe that you can have many passions and you can have many purposes in your life. I, I on totally, the of your life. totally agree with that. And I think, you know, you're kind of just in passing example of baking, you know, is, is 
if you have a passion for baking, does that mean that, that you have to be in a kitchen making muffins and cupcakes from morning to afternoon? Well, maybe not. I mean, there's so many aspects of, of how you can, you can use your passion. And I, you know, for me, I spent my, almost my entire life. I mean, at my teenage years, my twenties, my third, like thinking that I wanted to be a writer. I mean, I, I am a writer. I continue to be a writer, but the very traditional kind of writer. I wanted to publish books. I wanted to publish those books. I wanted to write them. And then I wanted to maybe speak and, and all that. And I spent so many hours by myself working on my craft and uh, have published things. But like the main book I wrote in my, tw- my um, 30s did not has not been published yet. And I hit a point in my life where I just thought, man, I don't know if it has to be that model. I don't know if I have to stick to this kind of structure that's been, um, that has been made, you know, decades ago and everything's changing. The publishing industry is changing. (laughs) Uh, having an agent is changing public. Everything's different. So I just kind of let it go my talent stays with me. All those hours of hard work stays with me. In fact, I just had a conversation with a friend yesterday who was saying, you know, she's like, you really can see that you're a writer in your Instagram posts. Mm, And she's not the first person to say that to me. I've actually had several people say to me, forget books, just keep writing on social because that's where everyone is anyway. And, and you're, you're still doing it. And then this, the podcasting, I never, I never thought I'd be doing this and here I am. And I realized, boy, I really like talking to people, you know, and I could have kept myself in this shell that said, oh no, I'm a writer, (laughs) right? I'm a writer, which means I have to be isolated all the time. I have to be by myself. I don't really like talking to people, but I, but I do. So I think that to people listening, you know, that, that talent, that passion, it, it can just come to light in so many different ways. And it doesn't have to be this tight structure that maybe was a stereotype built in another time, right? That doesn't even belong to us anymore. So I, I love that. Like with your, with like with your parents and, and even my parents in their generation, like it was so structured, right? You went to work and you were right. going to be a teacher or a nurse. Exactly. Or this. Nowadays, I mean, like people's career in, I'm an influencer. What does that mean? Yes. That's somebody's job and makes them a lot of money. It right? sure does. So the definition of, of, of what you do and it has changed so much. And, and I think that it's such a, a freeing thing, right? Like you said, even as a writer, you can self publish. You can be a writer who writes blog posts. You can mm-hmm. write on social media. You're a writer. It's, yep. you, we're at a, an, in an age where you define what you want to be and you are it, right? You don't have to have a, a piece of paper that tells you you are now officially a writer, right. you know? So yeah, it's, it's a beautiful time to create yourself however you want to define yourself. Absolutely. And, and a lot of it is in, you know, your perspective. How do you look at it? I mean, I could have also said, like, I'm a failed writer because a traditional publishing house hasn't picked up my book yet. But, you know, I'm a little too hard headed for that. So I almost just kind of, you know, have a little bit different perspective. I mean, I know what my talent is. I know what my worth is. And I just encourage everybody listening to kind of do the same with their own desires and their, their own um, 
gifts and the things that they love. But speaking sure, of stories, absolutely. you mm-hmm. I had I found this great quote on your and speaking of Instagram on your Instagram you say um, said our stories have power and when you share your story in a true and authentic way it's not bragging when you allow your light to shine bright it gives permission for another woman to let her light shine brightly too I thought that was very beautiful and I noticed on your website you know you have storyteller is a word that comes up often you know a self described storyteller and that you are drawn to storytelling. I was hoping you just talk a little bit about that quote and your, your kind of just draw to storytelling and a form is, as a form of inspiration, etc. So for me, story has been a part of my life from as long as I can remember, because in our culture, stories in our culture, we call them ngano, are, are how information or how, you know, kind of in, in, I guess in, in English terms, it would be like fairy tales. And if you think about where I grew up and how I grew up, my grandmothers, for example, who were some of my, you know, primary caregivers, they didn't know how to read. They didn't know right. how to write. And so the only way that they could impart their wisdom to me was through story. And so I grew up with story. It was the, the, the time of day that I so looked forward to. It was like nighttime and, and it would be in the little kitchen, the round kitchen with the fire in the middle. Oh, and wow. my grandmother would be, would tell a story. You know, it, it invariably was like a hare or a tortoise or something like that. And so I grew up with mm-hmm. story. And it was as I grew and then also even just with, with my professional career. I recognize the power of story that even in businesses, you're always telling a story, right? right? If you think about some of the brands that we admire, I mean, some of the best brands tell the best stories, not necessarily about their product, but how their product enhances your life. I mean, some of the Absolutely. best taglines that we think of are related to story. And it was that realization that that actually is the common language. Like you could watch a foreign film right now, go on Netflix and watch a foreign film without subtitles and without understanding the language. And you would feel the emotion just by understanding story. And so that's why for me, I feel like I'm a storyteller in terms of I tell my story, but I also want to be someone who facilitates other people sharing their stories and also other people realizing the power of their own stories. Because I think one of the most important things that we, we fail to recognize is that we are all storytellers. We're constantly telling ourselves stories, stories about what is possible or not possible for ourselves. Like if you think about the thoughts that are going through your head, it's all story, right? Mm -hmm. You're making up stories throughout the day. And so that's why for me, storytelling is, it, it is, it's, it's everything. I feel like every day right now we're telling stories. Yes, absolutely. I, connect. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I mean, obviously it's not a surprise that I, I agree with you on that as a writer and also doing this show. That's how I feel. This is what I do. This is how I do it. And people can, people might take the responsibility of exploring other cultures and highlighting all of our strengths and supporting one another. People have different ways of doing that. This is how I do it. I love to talk to people who come from different backgrounds and from different countries and let's tell stories, right? What what was your life like? How did you get to where you are? 
our differences are there, but when we, I feel like we tell enough stories, we realize they're not really that, we're not really that different. I mean, we're really not like, it's, it's like you and I just talking, you telling me the story of your parents, you know, moving exactly. from Italy to America. I can see, I, and, and also just you telling me that already, I could see the story. I, I could, I, it resonated the story of oh, leaving your home and leaving everything you knew and building yeah. your life all story, right? It's all story. And, and, and yes, we absolutely see each other in, in our stories. And as you said, we're so much more similar than we are different. 100% agree. I think the your format where you're, you're, you're doing Q and a sessions, right? And on, I'm talking about your platform. Now I'm jumping at Indini. You, you do videos, you make videos and you have a guest on, and you talk to them and you ask them questions, kind of like what I'm doing here, but they're they're a little shorter and they're fully visual and they're very beautiful. They used to be. Back in back in the day right. when we actually could meet each other in person. <laughs> I know. I thought the same thing as I was watching. I said, She probably hasn't done one of these in a while. <laughs> <laughs> the power of technology. That's right. the thing. And here's the thing too. You know, you were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, defining yourself and creating your own opportunities in terms of you're a writer. You can write and self-publish. And I think that's one of the wonderful things that has happened a, in this time that we're in, but B, I think generally with technology, because I think too, when I was a kid, and if you wanted to do an interview with somebody, like you needed a camera crew and you needed big expensive yes. equipment and there was no, you know, online platform you could share because it's only on the main TV channels. Whereas now, Anybody who has a phone is is a broadcaster. So, so I think that's what that's definitely one of the wonderful things about the democratization that of technology of social media um, that that's been created. And that is definitely a positive. I think a negative of social media is that it is not really a place for conversation. I know that we like to say that. I know like we we like to say like oh you connect and. You can talk to people, but it's not. And that's its main main negative to me because what happens is we just bite at each other. People just make comments. These quick characters, you're limited in, in the words, you, uh, the amount of words you can use. And when you do that, it's just, it's dehumanizing. I mean, it really is. As much as it can have connecting aspects that's a very dark part of social media to me. And I continue to do these podcasts because it's like an antidote to that. You know, I could say things to you on social media that like, I would never say to your face. Number one. And we've all become keyboard warriors, right? You're so everybody's so brave behind the keyboard, right? 100%. <laughs> but sit down with somebody and talk to her for more than an hour about her experiences and her life and where she comes from and the struggles. That's like the real thing. And that, that connects us in like, I have chill. My hair is literally standing up on my arms right now because I think this is what we need more than anything right now is people actually speaking to one another. That is so true. 
So true, because like you said, you know, you're making judgments on people based on however many characters you can Mm -hmm. put in a Facebook post or whatever, an Instagram post or tweet. And yet that's not who they, and and then you're reading into that. It's just like email. It's a terrible Mm -hmm. form of communication. I mean, we use it all the time, Mm -hmm. but you're left to tell story about what they were trying to say and what they meant and and you left to infer so much. And you're right. We've gone away from actually speaking to each other because I, I feel like when we actually speak to each other, when we actually have conversation and I can look you in the whites of your eyes, even if it's through Zoom, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it creates a different dynamic where I'm more likely to listen to you and to hear you, to truly hear you versus hearing you across all the noise and all the, you're, right. you're so right. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. It, it's, it's a great thing, but it's also a terrible thing. Yeah. And it's something to keep in mind. I mean, I think about it often, you know, things are obviously very stressful right now for, for many reasons to switch gears a little bit, because I know we are, we're coming up on an hour here, which often goes by quickly when I'm, when I'm talking to people who are interesting. So I don't want to let you go without talking about a project that I did hear you speak about on another podcast where you are starting a, a project to help young people uh, from originally from Africa who are now not living in Africa, who have maybe moved or are growing up or were even born in other countries to stay connected to their roots. And I just, such an important part of this show and the conversations we have, I want you to talk a little bit about that. Yes, you're so right. So I'm actually creating, I'm in the process of creating an animated series. And this kind of came about, you know, to the conversation we're having earlier on about, you know, what it's like to leave your home country and then to, you know, to not feel like you have that connection to your roots. So in, in my particular case, in our case, myself and my husband, most of our nieces and nephews are growing up outside of Zimbabwe. And so we were kind of thinking about, well, how could we help them feel some sense of affinity, some sense of identity with where they came from? And so that actually sparked a project. And originally we were writing a book. So we're writing a book, which we wanted it to be a way for us to share with our, our nieces and nephews pride in Africa as a whole, the whole continent, not just our home country, Zimbabwe. And so we started to write this book, which is an adventure story. And it's an adventure story about six heroes who have to rescue the soul of Africa. And the only way that they can do that is by going to each of the African countries. So that was what we were hoping to achieve so that they'd get a taste of the culture and some of the key sites in the different countries. And when we'd written the first part of the book, then we excitedly had a call with all of our nieces and nephews and we're like, hey, written this book. And I have a nine-year-old nephew who... You know, when you're nine, you have no filter. You just speak what's on your mind. Yes. And you kind of like, was like, huh, it's a book. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I have to read? And I'm like, yes, you have to read. And he's like, but I'm not the reading kind. Why can't you just make this a movie? Ah, so honest. That was our first then idea that, okay, yes, we still want you to read because you need to read. That's important. But wouldn't it be cool if we could create something that was visual that kids could look at? And then we're also looking at the fact that there's so little representation of black 
children and especially African children in superhero stories. Mm. Um, you know, we had Black Panther and, you know, but there's so few where they see themselves as characters in those stories. So that then became our inspiration to turn it into an animated series. And so we're in the process of creating, uh, talking about learning and journeys. We went into this thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool to create an animated series? You absolutely nothing about animation. So we're literally learn. <laughs> learning on yeah. the fly. And then what we realized as well is while initially the audience was our family and our nephews and nieces, was that this is an opportunity for us to share with all children, not just African children, not just children of African descent, but all kids so that they can learn about Africa and the African continent. Oh, wow. What a wonderful project. So uh, do you have a date where you think this will be out or just in the learning process? It's in the beginning. We're, st we're still, so we have characters, we've written the book, we've written two books. Um, that'll be the basis of the first, it'll be a series. And uh, we're at, at this stage, we're at the process of animating. So doing the illustrations and creating them and then animatics and all of that. So love that. <laughs> We're still a ways away. Yes, okay, there's time, right. We're working on. But it's in the but works. Once I, when I have a date, I'll come back and let you know. I love it. Please do. Please do. And why Why do you think there's a need for for this project? Oh, gosh. Number one, representation. Representation absolutely matters. Because as I said, you know, there are so few cartoon characters. There's so few superheroes that look like my nieces and nephews. And so that's where, we, and, and then I was thinking about it. If you think that Africa has the fastest growing young population mm -hmm. in the world. So there are all those kids who are growing up who don't necessarily see themselves reflected in media, in, in animated series, at least. And then also, I think the importance is, like we said, about sharing stories. Because if I can tell you a story about where I'm from, then you might learn some things and then you might interested in where I'm from and also you might see me different we might start to understand each other so I feel like that element of it as well is just being able to share these stories will help people not just African people but people in general learn about what's going on in Africa learn about some of the the culture some of the food some of the places on the continent do you find that a lot of the I mean, I don't know that you can speak for the entire diaspora, but let's say for Zimbabwe, where you come from, do you find that many or the next generation, let's say, that is growing up outside of Zimbabwe, are they still connected to the country or is there a disconnect? I think more and more there is a disconnect because yeah. it's hard for you to feel connected to something that you don't you know, you've never experienced, you just hear it as stories. And I, I think that a lot of people, whether it be Zimbabweans, I know that, for example, Nigerians or Ghanaians, they're very proud of their culture and really do a good job wherever they are in the world of bringing that culture with them. And so I think that's really important for us to do that. But it is hard to feel connected when, you know, especially for young people who never lived there, might not necessarily speak the language, it gets more and more difficult to stay connected. Yeah, so hopefully this project is a kind of way of doing that as well in, in some ways. 
keeping them yeah connected. we hope so yeah I really hope so that that in some ways it'll foster a connection and also just be pride pride in 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 where people are from absolutely I, I that's a message that could be like painted on the banner of this show, just having pride in where you come from. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about too, that I, I think it is very important for us in some ways as Americans, there is a need to, we can talk about the negative aspects of assimilation and the Italian community has a long story of all the terrible things that have happened to our culture, our language because of assimilation. And I do talk about that often, but if America is going to, abide as a country and a society we have to have an american identity also and we have to come together as we have to have an american culture and part of you has to kind of let go of where you came from and become an american but we also need to hold on to where we come from because that's our blood. That's our soul. That's our spirit. And I see it so much with people that I know who grew up, you know, maybe their grandparents spoke Italian or even their parents and they don't, they don't speak the language. And it's like a gaping hole in their lives. They're just, they feel this hole because they can't speak their ancestral language. So That's it matters. So it, it really does. And, and, you know, we certainly feel it too. I mean, I'll speak for, you know, for, for me as a Zimbabwean and, and like I say, specifically to in our family with my nieces and nephews who are all growing up outside of Zimbabwe, that it is this void where, yes, they, they're of Zimbabwean descent, but they don't speak the language. They, right. don't, they don't really know about the culture. And it, it feels as well for me, like, almost like we're we're losing it like it's such rich rich history and 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 we're starting to lose a grip on it yeah oh we know that story well i know you you just hope that as they grow older they will have had instilled in them by their elders right a love of their culture a love of their ancestry and heritage and as much as they can never be you know, like your grandparents living in Zimbabwe and, or even you growing up in a mud hut in Zimbabwe, you know, that's not their experience, but you know, you hope that they can hold on to some kind of fire of that essence. Yeah. yeah then, that, that is, that is my hope. It's my hope for, for my family, for my nieces, for my nephews. And I think it's my hope for anybody who identifies as an immigrant is right. that in some way, I love what you said. It's, it's so true in that we, we, there's this tension that we have to walk where you go to the new country and you need to now create a culture and identity mm -hmm. in the new country. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, how do you still hold on to who you are and where you came from and honor that? Beautifully said. And that's what we're, that's what we're exploring. Like I'm going to have a thousand conversations about this and still be exploring it, but hopefully we all pick up tips along the way. So Sandra, I love that you came on. I can talk to you for another hour easily, but as we wrap up here, can you just let um, listeners know a little bit about where to find you, where to find your platform and, and all that good stuff? Yes. Well, I want to start by honoring you and saying yeah. thank you 
for creating this platform because like you say that it's about conversation and and just me spending this time with you i i've learned a little bit about you and and your parents and and how they moved and and so this is i've learned something like in this time i learned something and so that's so important and so i honor you because i know the road is not easy when you have a podcast and you have a platform and all of that. There's a lot that goes into. So thank you for creating a space where we can have conversation and that place where we can be proud of, mm. of our heritage and, and where that. we come from. To find me, the easiest is probably uh, my website. So my website is sandrachuma.com and my last name is spelled C-H-U-M-A. And that kind of will link you to, I'm on Instagram as sandra.chuma, Facebook, sandrachuma, Twitter. Um, <laughs> and I'll link um, to yes. all of these in the show notes as I, as I always do. And there's definitely a lot to, and then there is also the Indini website, which is a separate website, um, but I'll link to that as well. Yes. People can check out those beautiful conversations with beautiful women and, um, and with you talking, you know, really just inspiring uh, women to live their, their best lives and um, just be who they are. It's really a beautiful uh, message and a beautiful platform. Thank you. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for having me. I so enjoyed this conversation. Thanks again for being here. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Please shoot me an email at Dolores at bellafigurapodcast.com or send me a DM on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. You can just search Dolores Alfieri and I should pop up and let me know what you're thinking of these episodes. I love hearing from you. It lets me know that the work is resonating with you. And of course that gives me the energy to keep doing this. You can also sign up for my newsletter at bellafigurapodcast.com and also just learn a little bit more about me there on the website. I appreciate your being here with me and spending some time listening to these uh, beautiful shared experiences. So here's to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their power.